So, <clears throat> we have met the enemy, and he is ours, was the, the message that was sent from, uh, it, it, was, it was sent from the naval ship that was commanded by uh, U.S. Uh, naval Captain Oliver Hazard Perry back to ground troops in the middle of the War of 1812. We have met the enemy, and he is ours. And they won, and they were victorious. And it was a little braggadocious, but you know, what do you do? I mean, if you're bigger and faster and stronger, you're a little braggadocious. But the, but the version of that line that most of us know comes from much more recent than 1812. It, uh, it's, it's, it's a version that was, that, was, that was moved around a little bit, and it's, uh, we have met the enemy, and he is us. And it came from, do you remember where it came from? Who? Pogo. Pogo the Possum cartoon strip. Patty Lee for the win. Um, <clears throat> this uh, new flat t screen television can be yours um, if you get the... <laughs> If you get the trivia right, um, that's exactly right. 1960, um, a, a cartoonist named Walt, um, not Walt Disney, like Walt Perry or Walt Kenny or something like that. He, um, yeah, he wrote a cartoon strip, and um, and it had, it, you know, they were protesting war and things like that. We have met the enemy, and he is us, which uh, which brings us to today's current events, or at least this week's current events. Many of you, it, some of you, at probably at minimum. Um, probably were following along with the saber rattling that was happening on the other side of the globe. Do you have those? You have those photos. This is uh, I got a couple to show you. This is um, and Brian was telling me all about this. Um, uh, this is actually one. Um, this is one drone, and then you see in the back they have these little mini drones and. Um, if you want to get really scared, talk to Brian Cardinale about what all those can do. This, um, these are images from China. Uh, on Tuesday of this week, they, they celebrated some kind of 70th anniversary, and they had one of their larger military parades that they've had in a while. And it included 15,000 troops. You've got another picture, I think. Um, 15,000 troops, 160 aircraft, and uh, 580 plus or minus other military hardware, um, all in formation in front of the supreme leader, emperor guy. And uh, it was a pretty big deal. It was partly a big deal because, you know, they do the military parades from time to time. But uh, they revealed two or three new weapon systems that hadn't been made public before. Uh, we uh, national, I mean, you know, like United States intelligence knew about them, but they had not actually been seen um, in just regular photographs without the use of uh, satellite imagery. And, um, and and these are images actually of some of them. This is a um, uh, this is like a prototype drone that can travel based on the estimates that American folks are talking about. It can travel at um, Mach four or five based on. Um, based on what they're guessing, which is really fast, you know. Um, and, uh, and the other ones are pretty terrible, too, and that didn't even show you the pictures of the uh, intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missiles that can get on the other side of the planet in 30 minutes with 10 warheads each. And begs the question, 
Who is our greatest enemy? Who, who causes the most alarm? Who, who raises our blood pressure, affects our heart rate? What, what is it that, what is it that, that causes our anxiety to go up? Miss Betty, who do you think? Satan. I like that answer. We, uh, we embark on a series of lessons from the first letter of John. And, and, and while John says that his, listen to me, while John says that his, uh, his singular focus and objective is to complete our joy, he also talks about the challenges to getting there. See, it's, it's, not enough, it's not enough to say that we're shooting for joy without dealing with the obstacles because, because Betty Mossman has nailed it. We are not engaged in a passive battle. We're engaged in an active battle with forces of evil and wickedness that are trying to prevent us from getting to where God wants us to be. And this is the very essence that is underneath this letter that is so dear to our church. Many of you know, maybe not all of us, but many of you know that, um, that, that the one-on-one discipleship program that Jay introduced a number of years ago when, when he was discipled by, um, by a guy out of Valdosta and then he began discipling people and they began discipling people and they began discipling people and it's, I don't know, 80 or 90, or maybe, maybe close folks in, in the church that have been discipled, that, that, that one-on-one discipleship starts with the Bible. And it starts with First John in the, in the Bible. And so it's a, it's a special thing to, um, to study through it. John feels compelled to address these obstacles. And he's writing to a church uh, probably 70 years after the first Easter. 70 years after, and he is giving a message that even though it's 1,900 years ago, that is as timeless as, as I'd say any and all the scriptures, which, which might be why we love it so much. So, so with this thought that there is an active battle being waged against the church, and with the question of who is our greatest enemy right in front of us, I invite you to turn with me as we go to the Scriptures. Turn with me to the back of your Bibles, almost all the way. It's on page 240 in the green Common English Translation <clears throat> Bible that I, uh, that I read from to, uh, to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. This is what it says. We announce to you what existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have seen and our, uh, and our hands handled about the word of life. 
The life was revealed, and we have seen, and we testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing, the, we are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him and live in the darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light in the same way as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. This This is the word of God for we, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. It's uh, it's fascinating to study these words with an understanding underneath of what's going on in the lives of the churches that John is addressing. John, um, John, after spending time with Jesus, uh, went off and, um, and the church's tradition was that he made his home base in Ephesus and uh, Ephesus and the region of Asia Minor is where that he, he was in ministry and that, this, that this, th- these letters were written to the churches around Ephesus and in Asia Minor and what's going on 70 years after the resurrection is an attack on the church that interestingly isn't trying to dismantle the church, but it's trying to improve it. And, and I got to tell you, um, y'all are going to love the way they're trying to improve the church. They're trying to improve the church. This is actually, a, this, is, this is one of a couple quotes that I'd like to read um, the, the, the trouble with First John seeks to combat did not come from women and men out to destroy the Christian faith, but from men who thought they were improving it. It came from men whose aim was to make Christianity intellectually respectable, to make the church more contemporary and acceptable. Everybody has a grin, big old grin on their face, right? Yeah, because we're all going... Oh, yeah, that's really old. I'm glad that kind of stuff's not happening anymore. 1,900 years ago, there's a movement around the church and, back to our original quotes, from inside the church that says, church, you can't stay the way you are. The world's changing. And if you don't change with it, then what's going to happen to you? Church, you can't continue to preach that old message Jesus did this and Jesus did that and they did this to Jesus and then he did this. You, you got to update it. And, and the movement to update the church came from inside the church with a group of people known as the Gnostics. If I get it right, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, Gnostic or, or, or plural Gnostics. The Gnostics, and, and, I, and I've made a couple of notes so that I get it right. The Gnostics, the Gnostics believed, <clears throat> this, this basic belief of all Gnostic thought was that only spirit was good and matter, right? The stuff we can touch, 
Matter was evil. The Gnostics therefore inevitably despised the world since it was made out of matter. A good Gnostic was trying to liberate themselves and everyone else from the prison of these mortal bodies. And, and it might sound like bunk today, and, 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 and I, I, there's maybe, maybe one or two of you that are going, you know, I, I work out on the base and we don't have any Gnostics out there, so I don't know what this has to do with me. But listen, but listen, but, but, but at, the, at the root of it all, a Gnostic denied that Jesus was who he says he was. And there's some folks on the base that do do that. And, and a Gnostic denied that, that, that the eyewitnesses' accounts of Jesus were true, and there's definitely some people that live around us that are doing that. And its essence, a, a Gnostic says that, that, <clears throat> that what we believe as true as Christians is no longer sufficient to bring about the salvation of the world, that we need to get to version 2.0. We need to download the new software. We need to let our systems update and then wait and wait and wait. The Gnostic religion said, church, you are out of date, but if you'll follow our lead, you'll get caught up. And you'll be up to speed, and then you're going to be just right. And just right is, well, yeah, we talk about Jesus, but we don't talk about all of Jesus. The Gnostics totally denied that Jesus actually had flesh. The Gnostics believed that, that you could walk up to Jesus and put your hand right through him the whole time. And that all the stories um, uh, about Jesus eating, you know, with you know, sinners or disciples or, you know, that, that all those stories were made up later on to, to, to try to create this, this, uh, this false story that Jesus was real because the Elastic said that Jesus wasn't real. They, they're introducing to the church an idea that Jesus was not enough. We have met the enemy, and he is us. William Barclay says this, writing in 1958, sort of this reminder that this is not some dusty history lesson. John wrote his great letter to meet a threatening situation and a defense of the truth. The heresies which he attacked are by no means altogether echoes of old, unhappy, far-off things and battles long ago. They are still beneath the surface, and sometimes they even raise their heads. To study his letter will confirm us in the true faith and enable us to have a defense against that which would seduce us from it. All of this, all of this comes as a, uh, as, as a word of, hear me, as a word of introduction, as a word of laying the foundation and the framework for what we are reading and for what many of us have read before, and that is this letter is written to a church to keep the church in the middle of where God wants the church to be. To keep the church inside the bounds of what is right, and to use the fancy term, orthodox, and, and, and to keep the church 
from over here with this new message that says unless we update things, then we're never going to be okay to get the church back to the central message that Jesus was real, that he lived and he died, and that in dying, we have the chance to live again. But, but the enemy would attack us from every angle to get us away from the truth of this. Our God is goodness. God is light. God is spirit. And God is above all. And he's far away, and he's seated in heaven, and, and he, is, he, he is mystery, and, and we can't understand him. All that's true, comma, but at the same time that God is spirit, God is also flesh. God in Jesus was dusty, and sweaty and even dirty. Go, go read the gospel accounts. How many different times did Jesus sit down at a meal and that one of the disciples or the host or someone around him came and either, and either anointed him to sort of clean him up or, or washed his feet or offered to wash his hands? How many times? The Gospels want us to be clear that Jesus was a man just like us. And, and, and the most amazing thing for us and the most frustrating thing for the Gnostics is that the very vehicle that carries salvation was the blood. They wanted us to believe that Jesus didn't bleed because he didn't have blood because he was only spirit world guy. But Jesus died, and his blood of all things is that which makes us clean. What, what is our greatest enemy? What is the obstacle to our joy? What, what, what is it that you need to hear and believe? to get started moving again towards the joy that God wants to have for you. We, we are sinners. But we're not bad. We're not bad because of what Jesus offers us. We are redeemed by blood. We, we, we definitely do bad things. But we've been made in the image of the one who is spirit, truth, and flesh and blood. This is not a passive battle. This is a spiritual battle that is being waged in far-off places, and right here. And I believe it's a timeless message, for we, the church, are being told that Jesus 
as we understand him, is no longer good enough. And that's not true. Let's pray. Gracious God, the, uh, the easy route is so attractive. Taking hard things and making them easy and getting, getting rid of the stuff we don't like. Lord, this is the message. This is the message of those who would have the church become that which you would despise. Instead, we're called to proclaim that yes, there is suffering, but your healing is greater. Yes, there is heartache, but your wholeness is greater. Yes, there is sin, but your salvation is greater. And as we approach the table of communion, we are reminded that you are the God who seeks to be with us. So my prayer is for, for any person in the room who's had others introduce doubts to them around what is true and what is right. May your Holy Spirit break in right now. May they encounter the truth. For it is only by your truth that we are set free. This is our prayer. We ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.